Coming up on this week's show, J. Scott Cothworth and Angel Martinez discuss queer sci-fi's plans for world domination. A.J. Marcus talks to us about his States of Love entry. Plus, we're unveiling a special giveaway just in time for the holidays. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 58 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. I am going to start the banter and ask... How are you doing? I'm okay. It's been a different kind of week. I was in LA this week. Uh, of course, we also had an election this week that uh, kind of blew the big one. Um, you know, I was in the camp that didn't think this could happen, that we could end up with Donald Trump as a president. Um, kind of surprised at how so many people voted. Uh, the thing that has struck me as interesting over the past few days watching my Facebook feed and stuff is that I know perfectly people who I thought were perfectly reasonable, and they probably still are perfectly reasonable, who voted for Trump, who don't seem to realize that they voted for the whole package that is Trump. Uh, they may say that, oh, I only voted because he's going to help the police department or he's going to bring manufacturing jobs back and bolster the economy or Whatever, and they, you know, they steadfastly are not in the racism, bullying, homophobia realm. Except, you know, you kind of voted his whole package in, and all the people that come with him. Uh, there's a couple of articles that I've read in the last couple of days that really kind of drive this point home much more eloquently than I can. Uh, John Scalzi, did I get that right? Yay me! Uh, the Cinemax Theory of Racism, uh, which uh, author Vanessa North. And, and my husband put in front of me over the last couple of days. And uh, Chuck Wendig, Stronger Together But So Far Apart, uh, I think both lay out some really good points on this part. Uh, if you voted for Trump, yes, you are 100% for everything he brought to the table. Whether you only wanted a part of that package or not, because he's not a Chinese menu. He's more like your cable company, as the Cinemax theory points out. Um, I expect that for myself, I'm going to be a lot more political in the next few years. Uh, speaking loudly for some of the crap he's, he and his cronies are going to bring to the table. Um, I'm going to keep writing, though, and I'm going to keep writing the books for the world that I choose to envision us living in, which is, I suspect, not the world that he views. So that's kind of where I am this week. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about things this week? Um, it was a very tough week for me. Um, I was here at home by myself. Um, though if you were here with me, I don't think I would have been able to um, adequately express the um, difficulty I was having with the situation. I think a lot of us woke up on Wednesday uh, and the world was literally upside down. It's so incomprehensible uh, to so many of us, the world that we're currently living in right now um it's like honest to god it is like a star trek episode where they go into an alternate timeline and the nazis won world war ii and i do not believe i am overstating the severity of our current situation i truly believe it is that bad 
Um, like Jeff, I have been reading a lot of stuff uh, online this week. Uh, I want to point everyone to a piece that Chuck Wendig also wrote on his blog called Mourn, Then Get Mad, Then Get Busy. He uh, much more eloquently states uh, everything that I'm feeling right now. So I highly suggest you go to Chuck Wendig's website uh, and check that out. We'll have a link to that specific article uh, in the show notes. Yes. What I would like to say um, right now to all of our listeners is that uh, I understand uh, where you are. You're uh, afraid. You're angry. Um, uh, I've been there too this week. Trust me. I have been up and down the Kubler-Ross scale many times. <laughs> many, many times. Uh, and I think finally uh, I am in a good headspace uh, so that I can personally try and uh, move forward. So to everyone who is currently listening to this show, I would first like you to get your head right. Get your head and your heart right. I know this hurts a lot. We are all feeling it right now. Um, the despair and the anger and the confusion. Um, it, it, no one has the right to tell you to get over it. Okay? You, you do you. And you take all the time it needs for you to work through this situation and figure out where your head is at. So first, I think everyone needs to take, you know, personal time uh, and figure out their um, emotional place uh, in this new world order, frankly. Number two, I want to make sure that everyone who is listening to this podcast... Um, make sure that they are physically safe. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> we have already seen instances of intimidation and violence uh, in every state uh, of this country already. So, uh, and this is not uh, a warning for everyone in, you know, a red state, which a majority of the people who are listening to the show right now do live in a red state. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just about red states. It's blue states, too. There are shitty, violent Trump supporters in blue states, too. We all need to be careful and vigilant and aware. So uh, get your head straight. Get your heart figured out uh, and make sure that you are in a safe place. And number three... Earlier this week, I was, I don't know why this came to me specifically. Uh, I just think I needed to uh, remind myself of it. There's a line in um, Angels in America. The great work begins. So once you've got your shit figured out and you're safe, you need to start your great work. Because the world needs it now more than ever. Now, please don't be intimidated by the word great. Um, your great work can be anything. Uh, you need to figure that out for yourself. I can't tell you what your great work is going to be. Now, if you want to join a political action committee and start marching in the streets, that's awesome. 
you do you. If you are a queer person of color who is a really good baker, uh, then you know what? You bake the best goddamn batch of cookies that you can and you take them to your local senior center or veterans rec center and you sit down and you share those cookies and you hear their stories and you tell your story. So I would recommend that everyone listening, once you've uh, figured your stuff out, get ready to do great work. Because like I said, I think uh, we need it now more than ever. Um, I am still figuring out what my great work is going to be. <laughs> um, I definitely believe this podcast is going to be part of it. I do feel that creating positive on entertaining content is worthwhile. So this is going to be part of my great work. So hopefully um, we can all move forward in a positive, uh, they're really just, I'm sorry, there aren't words. Uh, this is a really horrible, uh, fantastically, uh, inconceivably shitty situation that we're in right now. Um, so, yeah, there aren't any words. <laughs> I'm not trying to be negative or an alarmist, but I think we all have to be pragmatic and realistic about the situation we and the people that we love are in right now. So, uh, get smart, get strong, and do great work. So moving on from that, looking at other news uh, that's in a slightly uh, happier vein mm -hmm. and where our podcast usually goes, yeah. uh, NaNoWriMo, of course, is rolling on. We are 12 days in as rolling, we're recording. Rolling, rolling. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. We're 12 days in yep. uh, as we record on Saturday, November 12th. Uh, for the work that we're working on, that's good double redundancy there, isn't it? <laughs> We're 17,880 words in. Uh, despite the the crazy town of last week, I did, for the most part, write every morning that I was in L.A. I mm -hmm. uh, got a little behind on the trip up coming back yesterday because, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning on planes. It's, it is what it is. Uh, and I haven't written yet today. But we're in a pretty good spot, I think, so far. Um, and we'll keep plugging away on that. And, uh, yeah. And hopefully by the time we talk next week, you'll have read some more of the stuff to see how we're doing. Yes. Uh, I mentioned last week that the book, the short story, Rivals, uh, was going to audio. Uh, Derek McLean is has done a fantastic job with this book. I got to proof it uh, this morning. It being a short story, it clocks in at uh, un just under an hour and a half. Uh, so it's it's a quickie listen, but he's done a great job with it. And he's had a kind of... He's got a couple of edits to make on it, but we should be headed to ACX approval uh, next week, and then it should be out. I said, I think I said last week by the first of December, but it may actually get out even before Thanksgiving at the rate we're going. That would be so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, what's in the top five this week? Okay, moving on to the top five segment of the show. Uh, I'm going to let you know that these are the top five best-selling romance titles in the Amazon U.S. store for the week of November thirteenth. 2016. Gay romance titles. You well, did say just romance titles. So. Well, that's true. Duh. It's just gay. specifying. <laughs> just 
specifying. Yes, the gay romance titles in the U.S. Amazon store. So coming in at number five is a holiday story, Gingerbread by Avery Ford. Um, this one looks absolutely adorable. It's got the cutest cover ever. It is the story of a guy who owns and works in a bakery and a cop and uh, all of the holiday warm and fuzzies that ensue when they get together. Cool. Uh, looks extra super cute. Coming in number four is Falling Down, the latest title from Eli Easton. Number three is Hashtag Junkie, the first in the Gear Shark series, and that's by uh, Cambria Herbert. I liked those covers, too. We were looking at those before we recorded. I kind of like the GQ-ness of the covers. The, the Yes, the covers for this particular series are all done in a faux magazine style. Uh, they're really smart and uh, very distinctive. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Gear Shark... Gear Shark... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's going to be the sound of the show what? this week. <laughs> I know, both of us. We're having problems talking. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Hashtag Junkie is um, the first in this particular series, and it came out a while ago. Uh, I think it's on sale, which is why it has uh, jumped so far up in mm. the... Uh, uh, Top five rankings. Okay. Uh, okay, moving on to number two is Husband to Make a Family, A Marriage of Convenience Romance from Devin Morgan. And number one is Dying to be Loved, book number one in the Curl Up and Die Mystery series, and that is by Amy Nicole Walker. And those are your top five romance titles, your gay romance titles, for the week beginning Sunday the 13th. Links for these titles can be found in the show notes page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Tis the season, and we here at the Big Gay Fiction Podcast are in a giving mood. Announcing our holiday paranormal paperback giveaway. We're giving you, our valued listeners, a chance to win a prize package filled with great reads, perfect for cozy winter nights in front of the fire. The grand prize package includes an autographed paperback of Soulstruck by Jacob Z. Flores, an autographed copy of The Grim Life by Katie Wirth, plus paperbacks of Jake C. Wallace's Soul Seekers and Dare to Love Forever. In addition, the grand prize winner and four runners-up will receive an audible download code for T.J. Klune's Wolf Song, narrated by Kurt Graves. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday. You can't win if you don't enter. So visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday before the raffle copter ends on Sunday, December 11th. So last week we started this segment where we have authors from the States of Love series coming on the show. My own States of Love book will be coming out in the springtime, but in the meantime I thought I would have uh, other authors from this series come on and talk about their books. And this week we hear from A.J. Marcus, whose book is set in New Mexico. I'm happy to welcome A.J. Marcus to the podcast. A.J. is an author who's working on the States of Love series from Dream Spinner Press, and his novella, An Enchanting Liftoff, recently came out. AJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, tell us about this book that is set in New Mexico. Yes. Um, well, it's a cute little love story um, of uh, a guy who's an uh, uh, advertising executive who goes to the Albuquerque International Bloom Festival. Sorry, Fiesta. I get that right. Um, you know, for the first time, 
What if his friend introduces him to the pilot of Rising Pride, which is a, a balloon with various pride spectrums on it? The two hit it off, and they have a, uh, shall we say, uplifting relationship. <laughs> I like that. Now, do you live in New Mexico, or did you just pick this state because you wanted to explore it a little bit? Um, yeah, I actually live in Colorado. I just, I'd had the idea for the story for a while. And when, okay, I'm going to back up just a little bit here. I'm actually the guy who came up with the overall idea for the States of Love. Oh, very cool. And one of my co-authors, Kate Larishi, and I discussed it and we're like, okay, between the two of us, we don't want to write 50 novels to cover all this. So we pitched it to Dream Spinner um, and they came back and said, you know, it sounds great. Let's run with it. What state would you like to do? And I was like, I want New Mexico because I think the the Bloom Fiesta is something really cool. I've always loved going. I've, I've been three or four times. And I was like, it's almost a perfect setting for me for, you know, two guys to meet and fall in love. Absolutely. I mean, it makes it makes perfect background. And I guess since you'd been three or four times, it certainly lessened your amount of research you had to do because you had firsthand experience. You know, you throw in lots of little things you, you've you encountered along the way. Uh, maybe not even stuff that I had encountered at the Bloom Fiesta, but things I had done in Albuquerque got merged into going to the Bloom Fiesta. Because you know? mm-hmm. there's a restaurant... I've only been able to find it once because a friend of mine took me there and they had wandering mariachis in, in the restaurant and they were wandering around serenading people. And the food was excellent too, but the entertainment was cool. And so I was like, I threw that in here because I was like, all right, that would be interesting, you know, and just, you know, other little things that you, you know, encounter around the area, you know, and I'm only a couple out, well, a couple six out from Albuquerque. So it's, it's a shrine for me because I live out in the boonies. It takes me over an hour to get anywhere. So six hours isn't that. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, we wish you great success with an enchanting liftoff. All right. Well, thanks Jeff. So, Will, you have this uh, tendency to post really cute boys reading books every few days. Where does that happen? <laughs> Where does it happen? It happens on our Facebook page. Uh, if you would like to be kept up to date with all the goings on at Big A Fiction Podcast and see the pictures of cute boys reading books. Or um, sometimes cute boys listening to what we're sure is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Yeah, you can check that out at facebook.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Awesome. And they're really good pictures, too. <laughs> He's got great taste. <laughs> That's damn right I do. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> during GRL, we had the opportunity to take a few minutes and sit down with J. Scott Coatsworth and Angel Martinez to talk about the group that they both run called Queer Sci-Fi. So let's take a listen to that and we'll get their origin story and, and hear about their plans for that world domination you heard about earlier. We're here with J. Scott Coatsworth and Angel Martinez from Queer Sci-Fi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, give us the Queer Sci-Fi origin story. Okay, well, Queer Sci-Fi is kind of misleading. We've talked about this a lot. Yes. Um, it, it really is queer sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal, and horror. Um, but I wanted a catchy title, and I wasn't really thinking too far ahead. And 
it could have been queer speculative fiction, but there's a lot of people that don't know what speculative fiction is, that it kind of is an umbrella term. Um, I started it um, about, uh, what, two and a half, almost three years ago now. It's almost three years, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had just come back to writing, and I wanted a place, a community, that I could pull together people like me that read and wrote this kind of stuff. And there were a few things out there, um, but what I found was a little more limited. There were places that did more horror, places that did more MM, sci-fi specifically. Um, so I started this little tiny site and started going around looking for people to join me. And I found Angel pretty quickly. Right, and I was actually adminning on a, a different gay science fiction site, and um, Scott just kind of kept after me until I agreed oh, to, to oh, work with, yes, oh. exactly, <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, are you, are you ready to come work with me yet? Are you ready to come? So. Um, I came over and, and we've been growing ever since and we've been trying very hard to grow it into uh, an inclusive community for the, the queer community. So it's not always um, just about gay and just about gay romance, but so we have, um, it's more welcoming for all of the colors of the rainbow. Um, so we have a lot of lesbian writers and uh, trans writers and ace bisexual writers, yeah. writers and ace writers. Yep, and intersex. A, yeah, and intersex. Kind of the whole right? flavor of the rainbow. Right. So we we really try and and keep it a welcoming and inclusive and safe environment for all of these these folks. But you forgot the uh, world domination part. Well, okay, yes, but we that's that's <laughs> what we do in private. We don't. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the, is the group is primarily for writers and create creatives, right? N no, no, it's it's pretty much half and half. We, okay, we started out with a lot of writers, but we had some readers joining, and we really started to encourage readers to join. Um, that was kind of a, a real drive. So we're at about half and half now. So uh, writers and readers, and of course, we always have to emphasize that most writers are also voracious readers too. Yes. So, yeah. And when I first started the group too, it was a lot easier to identify people who were writers of the stuff than it is to try to find a reader of that. Mm -hmm. you know, right. Readers are going to have multiple interests, and writers do too, but writers are generally going to have a page or a personality online, especially on Facebook, that kind of indicates that this is who they are and what they do. So it was a lot easier to track down those people to kind of start the core group. But we really have worked this last year to expand that out. Right. How would you say that the, what are the roles essentially of the writers and the readers as they kind of come together? Or is there a lot of beta reading going on? Is there a lot of resource sharing going on? How do, what's, how, what's the overall like almost day-to-day -day operation of the group kind of look like? Sure. Um, we have Mimi uh, Me, Me, Me Monday, and, and the idea of Mimi Me, Me Monday was um, for writers to be able to come in and promote their stuff once a week instead of letting the group become kind of overrun by promo. Because if, if you're members of any Facebook writing or reading groups, you know, a lot of them, that's what happens. You have right. people that come in and they just drive by, drop their promo, and they're gone. Right. Buy my um, book, buy my yeah. book, buy my book. So that's yeah. one, of our, one of our main interfaces of the two because you have writers come in and they're talking about their new stuff and other writers and readers are coming in and supporting them and saying, you know, that's fantastic, you have that out. Um, we do sell some books, not directly through the site, but people see it and they'll go and they'll buy the book on Amazon or buy it from the publisher right. or from the, the author. Um, but we also have, um, every other day we do an author chat or we do a writer chat. And so those are chances for both sides to come in, but we restrict it. So if, if it's a writer chat, you know, you can come and you can say, yeah, I write this, um, this topic is kind of what I do, I even this book did this and that and the other thing, and readers can come chime in on that too. If it's a reader chat, the authors are forbidden from mentioning their works. So they can come and they can say, you know, I really like this, um, this is my kind of thing, but they can't say, oh, and yes, I have this book so-and-so that I do this thing that you're talking about. Right. So it really does kind of help make it more of a friendly atmosphere for readers to come in and chat and not just kind of be bombarded by authors who are trying to hit them up and sell them the books. Um, other than that, it's um, 
we also have the, the newsletter that goes out that kind of informs people mm -hmm. about the information, but we, we try to include some information for readers as well and just right. for general sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal, weird stuff going on in the world. Uh, trailers as they come out for films that might be appropriate, um, gay superheroes, you know, so it's kind of a melange of everything. It, it is, and the, the discussion topics that we have, we have a, a discussion topic every day mm -hmm. um, that we post early on and people can, can chime in and discuss and, and debate and all sorts of things, um, and most of those are from our members, so we actually go out um, when we run out of things on uh -huh. the spreadsheet and we say, what do you guys want to talk about? So they give us all of these incredible discussion topics that, that they want to cover. And some of them are um, really easy things, and some of them are, are very controversial. And, some are um, very esoteric. Some of them are, yeah, a little bit out there. But yeah, but they, they actually give us these discussion topics, which we will get to, so one every day. We also have regular columnists mm -hmm. um, who talk about different kinds of things, and we also have reviewers right. um, who post on specific days about specfic that they've, they've recently read. So. Yeah, we have when uh, Ben Brock does the uh, the adult stuff, and then uh, right. John Allenson has been doing the YA stuff, and we have other people come in periodically and do reviews as well. Right. And I believe Angel, you mentioned on the on the research panel that we sat on during GRL that you maintain right. a resource list as well for writers who need to know about certain things. Right. We've we've actually set up um, several different listings for different types of things. So we have a subject matter expert. Um, listing so we've had members say okay I'm, I'm a doctor I can I can help you with this subject I'm a lawyer I'm a criminal justice professor I speak Italian I speak Italian <laughs> you, know, all, you know everybody has these these areas of expertise so we have a, a subject matter expert list um, that we maintain we also maintain a listing of queer friendly uh, conventions. Angel put that together. It's a great I, list. A, oh boy, that was a fun thing to put together. <laughs> um, we have um, lists of editors and publishers, and you know all of these folks who are, are willing to work with um, queer public uh, queer authors. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's a knowledge base on there. We we have cover designers too, and um, we're always adding to that stuff as we go. Um, I actually have to update the. Um, I haven't updated the call for submission list for a while, so I gotta go and update okay, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's always like 45 things to do in like you know time for 10. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things you do, and I think this was the second year you've done it, if I recall, is the anthology. Yes, technically it's the third year. Um, the first year we didn't do the book, so the first year when we did well, the contest. Back up um, and, and say what it is. Well, first. all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we do a flash fiction contest, and for those who don't know, flash fiction is really, really short fiction. Um, it's not micro fiction, which could be like a sentence or two story, but it's usually a thousand words or less. Um, in our particular definition of it, it's a story that's 300 words or less. We ask for a complete story that is both queer and uh, has LGBTIQA covered uh, characters in the story. And it has to be specific. Specific, sorry. Thank and you. it yeah. has to uh, it has to adhere to the theme for that year. Yes. So. And we, we make the themes broad. So our, our first year, as I was mentioning earlier, right, right. our first year uh, was, um, what was our first year? Uh, endings. Endings, thank we you. We did endings for and, the first one. <laughs> and we, we had 15 entries, and they were a nice 15 entries, not enough to do a book with. Right. Um, the second year, we did Discovery, right. and we got 110. And I was trying to be really nice, and I said, you know, that anybody who was on theme um, and met their criteria would right. be in the book that we were going to do. Right. Uh, the book had actually been uh, suggested by uh, one of the other uh, people we worked with, and they were going to help us with it, but they were not able to help us sell it. And right. Or like, actually produce it. Right. So right. Daniel, I said, well, ha we'll have this ebook, but we have no infrastructure because we're not a publisher at this point, you know. Um, so Angel, at that point, um, 
talked to Mr. Corner, who she's a part of, right, right. and agreed to help us do the book. So um, they did convince me that this year, when the theme was flight, that we had to be a little more selective in the mm -hmm. stories. And fortunately, we got 172 stories this, this year. Right. So we chose 110, again, of those stories um, right. for this year. We try to make the theme broad enough that you can really play with it. So like with uh, flight, you know, you could be flying. You could be an angel, you could be a demon, you could be what have you. You could be a spaceship and taking flight. You could be fleeing from something. Right. You could do a flight of stairs. You could do a flight mm. of wines. Right. I mean, anything that you can come up with that ties in, as long as it ties into that theme of flight. Right. And we actually run it as a, as a contest. Um, so I think that's probably why every year we've we've gotten right. success, successively more submissions. Mm -hmm. um, so the the top three entries actually uh, do have monetary prize um, oh. uh, attached to them, and um, they are recognized in the anthology as well. So we do you know say who the winners are, of course. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's probably why we're we're getting more submissions. Yeah. But 172 submissions, we were very surprised. This is a lot of flash fiction to read through. Unfortunately, <laughs> sure. they're only they're 300 words, so it's basically like a page, page and a half. And mm -hmm. so it does make it possible. If we were doing this sure. contest and it was a regular, like a 5,000, 10,000 word short story when right. we had 172 entries, we'd never get it done. We, we would have no life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to do. It was, yeah. When will that circle up again next for, for listeners who may be thinking about this? Um, April. We'll, We'll probably start it a little bit earlier. I you think want to? this coming year, yeah. Um, but we'll we'll have to come uh, start promoting the theme, and we'll probably start uh, talking about taking submissions in, in uh, early spring. Yeah, we we like to kind of uh, leak the theme a little early so that people kind of have a chance to start thinking so about, thinking it. about it. So they're thinking about it. It, it's a challenge. I mean, we had a lot of authors that told us that they would write a story and it'd be a thousand words or fifteen hundred words, and that would take them, you know, a couple hours, and then they would spend a week after that getting that story down from a thousand words to three hundred words. Sure. Right. You know, you when you write this, it, it's it's a real challenge for an author because you have to really think it through, and and every single word that you use has to have a reason for being in that story. Right. You know, so it's it, it, it's a fun exercise to put our uh, writers through, and they, yeah. they love us for it, and they, they kind of hate us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's their choice. They don't have to participate. They don't have to do it. They don't have to do it. No. Um, well, this year we did a, a neat thing, too. We, um, we actually had um, six judges. So it was right. uh, Angel and I and uh, Ben Brock, uh, Aidy Ladner, Jen Burke, and uh, Carol Cummings. Yep. And our opinions were kind of all over the map. And so all of us had a few favorite stories that were really nobody else's favorite stories. And then we had some in common. And mm -hmm. we, we do a, like a numerical judging, and then when we're done, we spend a couple of days just talking it out and, and picking the winners as a group. But we all ended up with some stories that we really thought deserved recognition that didn't win, that weren't in the top three. And so we said, why don't we do an author, not an author, a, a judge's a choice, judge's choice thank right. you, and recognize those stories, even though there's not a monetary prize, but say this was that judge's favorite story, have the judge contact the author directly, let them know what they really liked about that story. And you, you had a really neat one this year. I did, because we, we do judging blind, so we never know who the author is when we're doing the judging. Um, and I had this this story that I thought was just amazing there was so much emotion packed into the story and it was just this really really lush descriptive story and I picked that as my judges pick and, and afterwards found out that it was our only underage author who had submitted the story so that was just really really cool to me to be able to, to write this young lady and say oh my god I really loved your story and here's why first, first time so, author so it was, it was right, nice to do right. that that's awesome yeah. mm -hmm. how much first time author outreach and participation do you get and is that 
kind of part of what you want to do overall to bring more people into the fold or I think you know, we do we do want to encourage people to kind of spread their wings and and try it um, I I'd say that probably the majority of our authors are people who already write. Mm -hmm. um, so these are folks who have some experience because flash fiction is a very difficult medium mm -hmm. and it's, it's not something that I would normally suggest for a first story. Um, but I'd say, you know, maybe 15, 20-ish percent of yeah, that high, but we do, the, we of do the entries yeah. Yeah, are, are probably folks who are, are not, um, who have not shared stories with the public previously. Yeah. And, and we go out and we, there's a lot of uh, calls for submission sites on Facebook that we go out to and, and let people know. So we encourage yep. anybody, you don't have to be an existing published writer, you know, you don't even have to written it all before if you want to try it. Yep. Um, but I think the other thing that this lends itself to, and I was talking about this earlier with someone, um, is writers taking chances that they wouldn't necessarily take in longer fiction. Right. Um, writing yeah. characters, for instance, you know, you might have a gay author writing a transgender character. And you know, something that they would be more uncomfortable trying to do like an entire novella or a short story novel in, but they'll try it, you know, try their hand at it in this format um, because it's it, you know it's a lot less time to try to deal with a particular character. So I think you get a lot of people that are writing different things. The, and it, it's it, we have a lot of of authors who um, are normally romance writers, mm. um, and this gives them a chance to write something completely different. Very often, so they're they're writing something that's purely speculative fiction. That's just this really short, tight format story, and I think they really enjoy that. It's just kind of um, a, a stretch for them. So and we encourage romance in the stories too. It, it runs yeah, a whole they, gamut in there. Right, so. right. But there, you don't have a lot of time right. for that. So. <laughs> I'm often accused of like getting my characters too, together too fast and it's fate and they're in love already and everything. 300 words, you know, try to get a couple together and, you know, it's really hard. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's barely enough for the cute me that 300 words. Yeah, there uh -huh. is. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about um, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the intention of the contest. I think it's interesting to see how it's grown, certainly, over the, the past three years, but... Uh, originally, was it just you know so? Hey, let's do a flash fiction contest. Was it about maybe more representation, or um, I, what I, was sort of the original intention? I think the original the intention was you know hey let's put on a play you know it's, yeah exactly it, yeah. It, it, right. it was the original right. intention was was exactly we we um, we had been talking about flash fiction in the group and mm, okay. you know people were kind of fascinated by the the concept and so we said okay let's let's do a contest this will this will be fun yay come on guys submit <laughs> stories um but as as we've gone on we've really um encouraged the authors to to be more inclusive and to try and write outside their comfort zone so we do um kind of push authors to think about some of these things um yeah, I'd say the first one, it really was just kind of a lark to do it. It's mm -hmm. something that we wanted to have another feature of the site, another thing that we would do on an annual basis. And um, the first, I don't remember all of the 15 first stories, but I do think there was a lot of MM in those first it was It was mostly, yeah, yeah it was mostly gay. Um, male, male, yeah. Parents, yeah. Um, where the second one, we, we really encouraged folks, and we got a smattering of FF fiction, you know, female, female fiction. We got a little bit of trans. There were three asexual stories in yeah. that second batch. So we did start to see some diversity. And I think the quality of the third one, the quality of the flight, just in terms of the, the story quality overall, and partly because we had more to choose from, 
um, I think the quality really went up and uh, we actually had one of the winning stories was an FF story this year another one was sort of a gender fluid story yes yeah um, you know, not, right. not transgender exactly but kind of gender fluid it was yeah it was definitely a, a gender queer young yeah. person in that story yeah. so whereas I think the, the first two years I think the, the yeah. top winner were, were MM just because that was the majority of what was there yes. yeah. and we really wanted to try to find you know stories to recognize that were outside of that um, so as each year kind of goes on I think it's a matter of people, more people coming to the contest, but I think there's also been a bit of a sea change the last couple of years in romance and fiction where people are starting to really try to stretch a little bit, you know, going more in, into writing ace characters or writing trans characters or mm -hmm. writing intersex characters. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yep. And that kind of leads to a broader question. Where do you see the queer sci-fi umbrella going now that you, as you said, it's it's more than MM, and it's starting to embrace mm -hmm. the rainbow. How's the genre evolving overall these days, and, and where do you see it kind of going? As much as we would love to see change come all at once, um, we recognize that this kind of change is very slow. Mm -hmm. um, we'd love to see. Um, the entire spectrum of characters in mainstream fiction, in um, in romance fiction, in um, all of the publishers that we're all familiar with, um, but the the changes is slow, and and, and we recognize that um, uh, mainstream uh, speculative fiction, although there have always been queer elements um, in speculative fiction. Um, everybody can point to an author in every decade that has written gay characters or, or lesbian characters, but um, generally speaking, it's it's been a very small percentage. Um, we'd love to see uh, a diverse um, spectrum of, of stories in mainstream as well, so it's kind of what we're working towards, but we recognize that this is a slow process. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think I, I came to this from more of a general sci-fi background, and I had only read very few things that ever had gay characters that were in sci-fi fantasy mm -hmm. are my main main two genres I read. Um, and when I came into this, I'd never, I hadn't really read anything at all. I didn't really know the MM other than the, the mainstream stuff that my husband reads a lot of contemporary. Right. Um, right. And when, when Scott's saying MM, just so we know, he's talking about romance. Okay. So, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but, but, but just, I mean, in general, in, in terms of gay fiction, I hadn't read, you know, whether it's MM or general literature, literary, literary fiction or that, I really hadn't read much of anything except for a couple things in sci-fi. Right, and right. So, the, the few things that you had found, like Mercedes Lackey and, right. and you know, folks like that. Right? I, and so I, I think what I've realized the last couple of years is there is so much energy going on right now in this particular market, in the, in the romance market, but also kind of bleeding over into general sci-fi, speculative fiction, paranormal, etc. Um, and I think, I'm hoping that that's going to start to bleed into the mainstream more as some of our authors both see success within kind of our, our happy little community here, but also start to kind of move a little bit into the mainstream themselves and get agents and, and get right. some stuff published with some of the bigger pubs. And yeah, and what we what we look at um, is, is kind of a self-perpetuating cycle because if you have books that are successful, the uh, the publishers see that they are successful and they recognize that and they, they begin to see that there is a market. Um, whereas before, very often a publisher would, would publish a science fiction story with a gay character it wouldn't sell they said oh well this wouldn't work right. so they wouldn't publish those 
Um, so, but if we kind of from a groundswell grassroots movement can um, get some of these folks to be successful, we're at a point now in the publishing industry where the publishers are going to start to sit up and take notice. And since you said that though, because I was talking with Heather Rose Jones oh, yeah, yeah. Um, about FF and it was saying the same thing that we have these publishers now in our community that do male male romance and that and some of them have tried to branch out into FF and they'll do one book and they won't really know how to support it and the right. book won't do well and, and we'll, then sell. they'll say oh FF doesn't sell right right you know so we have to kind of get past that mindset and that, that yes there's always going to be a core group of readers that wants a certain thing mm -hmm. you know you, you've got this this new these dream spinner um, throwback books that they're doing now the yeah, yeah. Harlequin mm -hmm. ones mm -hmm. that are very simple very not simple but I mean very trope driven very mm -hmm. um, formula in a way and they kind of feed that that fantasy getaway I don't have to worry about things I'm gonna get my happy ending mm -hmm. and you've got readers right. that that's what they really want and more power to them you know but I also want to see us kind of moving into other things as well and doing more complex stories more other characters and there's going to be an audience for that as well oh absolutely yeah, yeah. speaking to audience do you think uh, hmm, how do I how do I want to phrase that uh, <laughs> Are, do you think the audience for queer sci-fi is um, uh, romance readers uh, who are looking for romance with sci-fi in it, or is it sci-fi readers, you know, uh, yes. who are looking to read sci-fi with, you know, a romance or relationship element? The answer to your question is yes. Yes. Both. Yeah, it, it is. It both. really is both. And the interesting thing that we see on our group is that we have a meeting of these two groups. Mm -hmm. They're kind of colliding. You got chocolate in my peanut butter. Exactly. Peanut butter <laughs> in my chocolate. Yeah. So, and that's it's it's really interesting. And to to expose both of these halves of the equation to each other, I think only makes us stronger and and allows us to expand the market. Okay. Yes, yeah, sci-fi for a long time has been a very. Um, not exclusive, but a very, you had to kind of meet certain criteria as a writer to get into the sci-fi group. You know, you had to be published in certain publications and you had to do, do, yeah. do certain things. And I think there's still an element of that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, in, in some parts of, of the community or the sci-fi community and the fantasy community, there's still kind of like, you're not really a sci-fi writer because you have romance and you've got your peanut butter and your chocolate. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, the, yeah. But there's still that perception among certain um, elements of the community. But I think those elements are the, mostly the older elements and they're slowly dying out and one of the things so, I'm, yeah. one of my projects this next year is to try to basically break through and get into some of those sci-fi blogs and communities and things that are not queer sci-fi communities mm -hmm. but that are sci-fi generally and make some connections with those people so that we're not you know we have such a great again a community but we're kind of insular so we're always talking to ourselves right and to right. start talking as a community to these other communities right i mean we, we talk a lot about the the ghettoization of, of queer fiction mm -hmm. and that's we've we've done it um, to it's our like, to ourselves uh, to a large extent because it's we feel safe yeah, um, we yes. have a more welcoming audience we have a more welcoming experience um, but yeah I, I think it's time that um, we no longer think of that exclusively those right. channels yeah it's a safe, happy place. It is. <laughs> kind of jumping off from something that you, you you talking about working on that over the next year. What is what are the future plans for queer sci-fi towards world domination? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I have a few few things I want to kind of pursue. Um, 
we're starting to do some book tours um, and again I want to use this kind of outreach into the general sci-fi community so that we can provide a service to authors that is not exactly like anybody else is doing um, you know there's some great book tour companies out there that do already do our, our community but I'd, right. I'd like to have a, kind of something that gets you into the both the romance blogs but also get you into some of the sci-fi blogs as well so that's a piece of that I would like to see queer sci-fi at some point um, do a little more publishing, whether that is working more like with Mr. Corner Books on some things, whether that's eventually doing some things directly. Right. Um, yeah. You know, as me as an author, I also want to get into that. So there's kind of the shared desire to figure that whole thing out. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of authors are hybrid authors where you've got some books with Dream Spinner, Riptide, or Pride, and then you do some of your own stuff, or your stuff comes back from those publishers, and you turn it around and you re-release it under your mm -hmm. own name. So those are a couple of the areas I want to go into. Um, do you have anything that you've been thinking about that we could do? I mean, we're, we're kind of, we bounce things off so each other a lot. You're not like, don't put me on the spot or anything. Well, all right. <laughs> you had like three minutes while I've been like babbling on here to think about it. Yeah, but no, you're, what, what Scott is saying, that this whole focus of, of um, really trying to expand the market for, for our members and, and trying to um, get out there to a, a larger audience. And I think that's probably um, always been the goal, but to, to try and, and do that in a, a larger sense is, is where we're headed next. And, and I think to, to Will's point, there's a, a big desire for and a lot of our part of our authors that write like Angel's pointed out to me, they write stuff that has a romance in it, mm -hmm. but the romance isn't the point of the story, so it really is not romance, per se. Right, right. Um, there's a desire on those authors to be able to reach these other markets. And I know, uh, like Andrew Gordon has been working really hard to try to get into some of those places. Mm -hmm. um, some other authors have been trying to really make those inroads. So I think right. we want to support that both, I mean, within the group, we've already there, you know, but reaching out to other places and trying to help those authors get into places that they haven't been able to get into yet. And kind of then we we can kind of tag along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So infiltration of the marketplace. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's an on-the-spot question. Okay. If you had to name a book or two mm -hmm. as like a primer towards queer sci-fi for somebody on a reader side who wanted to dabble their toes and see what that is like, what would you name? I'm gonna let you start this one. Are Are we talking about um, what's out there already in the mainstream or or what we have um, in the more insular community I'd say really either way like if, if I wanted to go if you were to tell if you and I were just having a conversation I'm like what should I go read to help me understand queer sci-fi mm -hmm. after of course they read flight after, yes, they, yeah. after, after they bought flight. the anthology what else should they look into very nice um, I don't know. There's there's so much out there, and it, it, it really kind of depends on, on what you like to read. Um, so we, we can talk about uh, space opera stories. We can talk about um, post-apocalyptic stories. We can talk about fantasy stories. And um, I, I don't know if there's any one um, work that I could, could really point to. It, uh, maybe yeah. a better question is, is there a resource on the site where if I come on the site and go, I really want to read a space opera, but I don't quite know where to start we, we don't have we don't have a database for that because it would be enormous and and incredibly difficult to maintain however um, it, because of the way the the discussion site is set up you can come if you're a member you can come in there anytime and and ask a question like that I'm Perfect. looking for um, I'm looking for a space opera with a green alien love interest. <laughs> and people will give you uh, recommendations. 
they, you know, we have almost 2,000 members now, and we have this huge database of, of readers who love the genre, and they will come with all of these incredible recommendations, you know, some of which we've all heard of and some of which we haven't. So, so yeah. that, that's a perfect resource there, and I guess assume is, anybody yeah. can come join the group. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we also um, we do announcements on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. the announcements are categorized. Um, through the WordPress system, so you can actually go through and look at the categories on the site if you wanted something that was uh, shifters, or if you wanted something you know that was specifically superheroes and villains, or right. you know. So we so you can do you can kind of go back and see what's there. We don't review those. I mean, there are reviews on some stuff, but mm-hmm. the announcements just announcements. You can kind of go through and. Right. Um, I would say there are also. Um, like, so one of my personal favorites, and this was before I even came to Queer Sci-Fi, um, was a book um, by Nancy Springer called Lark on the Wing. Um, that it's it's a magical realism story about this housewife, and she's um, a straight cisgender woman. But the story, the idea is that each person in them has a person that they are meant to be, and her the thing she's meant to be is a gay man. It's mm. her spirit, okay. and so there's this 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 uh, gay street in the middle. It's like in, I think it's in Pittsburgh. It's set, and you go down the certain street and kind of turn left at the right place, oh. and there's a person now that will help bring out your real person. <laughs> and that was one of my earliest things I read, and it just was a, was a magical realism. Was one of the things that inspires me and in what I do. Um, there are a lot of publishers now that are kind of moving into doing more of the stuff. I know Dreamspinner has the DSP uh, publications where you have stuff that is romance or has romance or could have romance, but is not romance driven. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so right. that's a good place to find a lot of our authors. Right. So if you if you look at um, you know something like. Uh, Carol Cummings right. steam, steampunk western uh-huh. uh, adventure. It's um, uh, Blue on Black. Was that yeah? Blue on Black, yeah. Um, which is primarily an adventure story, but it, it, there is a romance somewhere in the in that in the center of that story. So, but like Angel said too, there, there's a lot of people who come on and say, I've got you know a 15 year old niece who's just come out as lesbian, or I've got a transgender friend, right. and you know what would they like to read? And people will jump in and say, there's this and this and this and this and this, and you'll get 20 recommendations. Right. That's perfect. Yep. So let's talk about you guys as authors. For a moment, what do you guys have coming up that's in that queer sci-fi genre? Go ahead, you go. All right. Um, so I'm just kind of hitting my writing stride. I, I started out, um, well, started back writing again about three years ago, and I kind of started doing short stories, and novellas, because I felt like my writing muscles were a bit flabby. Um, so I've kind of toned those muscles a little bit. I'm still, it, it's a lifelong process, and I'll still be working on them. But I just sold my first uh, novel yes. um, that's coming out. Uh, it's called Sky Thane, and it's the first of a series. It's, it's a wingman story, so if you like guys with wings, um, coming out uh, from Dream Spinner in uh, February or March. Um, also have another one that Dream Spinner is looking at, that of course I have to finish it in the, the end of the year. Um, it's sort of an epic space, um, not a space opera, but kind of an epic space story about the uh, colonization of another world. Right. Um, so that one is currently um, called Across the Stark Divide, and I'm not married to that title, so we'll see. Yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah Sounds but like Angel might be less married uh, to that title. <laughs> and then, then I just have, I have a, um, a short story that is going to be in the um, Christmas anthology. Yeah. Mr. Corner Books. This, this Wish Tonight is yeah. the name of the anthology. So. Right, and that's a post, after zombie, no zombies in it, right. but post-zombie apocalypse, um, OCD, 40-year-old love story. So yeah, it's it it's not every day that you get a, a post apoc story in a Christmas anthology. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we yeah. we have some fun with that. So. And, and then there's one more that you guys are doing the the um, the Great North, which was also it's my I did two post apocalyptic stories in a row, I don't know why. Um, but it it is yeah, it's a um, future kind of 
sort of a medieval setting kind of in the future um, that's going to be a, a standalone novella next year sometime. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on the fifth Brandywine investigation story, which is, okay. <laughs> which is, um, it's gods in the modern world. Um, the gods don't have enough worshipers, so they need jobs. Um, so it's, it's, it's a fun concept. There's, it's, it's mostly, uh, it's urban fantasy. It's, it's kind of action adventure. Um, and I do have um, a, a novella size standalone story that's coming out in January. It's called Uncommonly Tidy Poltergeists. Um, which is sort of a, a folk tale, urban fantasy, and I don't want to say too much about it because it would be giving everything away. Is, that is the one the one I read in beta? Yes. I love yes, that story. It is. Yeah. I love it. No, cool. Um, and Angel's also been doing a lot of uh, re-releasing of stories this last year and, and extending. And this is so not my choice doing this, but every <laughs> you know, but I've had um, unfortunately some publishers close in the last couple of years, so it has to be done. So anyway. So where can we find queer sci-fi online? All right, it's in a couple places. Um, if you go to qsf.rocks, is our short name, that'll take you right to the queersci-fi.com page. Um, we also have the Queer Sci-Fi Facebook group, and the Facebook uh, group is where all the stuff really happens, the most active part of the site, uh, the, of the group. Um, if you go to Facebook and look up Queer Sci-Fi, you'll see two. One is a page, one is a group. The group has about 2,000 members, give or take now. Uh, if you go there and uh, join it, we'll go into preview. And that's where we do all the daily conversations and the Mimi Monday and, and all. Awesome. Well, we'll link up to all that in the show notes, as well as linking to your author pages so people can find you guys as well in your books. Okay. All right. And we thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Thanks guys. It's great. Us. Yep. So once again, thank you to Angel and Scott for taking a few minutes out of their busy GRL schedules to sit down and talk to us mm -hmm. uh, about the new anthology and QSF. Um, I love them to pieces. <laughs> they are. We, we got to know them a little bit better uh, over the, the few days of the conference. Um, they are smart, and they are funny, and they are talented, and as you can hear from the interview, they're very well-spoken. Uh, if you would like to hear more from the two of them, uh, Angel and Scott actually just appeared on episode 83 of the Rote podcast. That's W-R-O-T-E. Uh, and they... Uh, went into more detail uh, about their experiences uh, about this uh, past GRL in Kansas City. Um, now, in our wrap-up of GRL, um, because of the way this particular show uh, is, is laid out and segmented, um, we don't really have any uh, time to go on at length. Uh, even in our you know, episode about our, our wrap-up of our GRL experience. It basically amounted to, you know, yay, we love GRL, rah-rah! <laughs> um, <laughs> Angel and Scott go into much more detail uh, in this particular episode of the Rote Podcast, and they talk about their experiences uh, at this uh, conference, and they also talk about what you can expect going to the conference as a reader and going to the conference as a writer and what you uh, are going to experience uh, throughout the entire weekend. So if you've never been to GRL and are curious uh, about what it's really like, uh, I highly recommend you give that episode of the Rote Podcast a listen. That's episode 83. Cool. And we'll link to that in the show notes yes. so that people can easily find it. 
So I think that does it for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we've got Lisa from The Novel Approach here. She's going to stop by with some holiday book recommendations since we are in that time of the year. Yeah. All right. So we hope all of you have a good week. And we'll see you back here for episode 59. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Big Gay Fiction Podcast.